World Cup Coffee and Tea at Northwest 18th and Gleason today for another OMN Coffee Shop Conversation. I'm Tom D'Antoni. With me today is someone I've always wanted to meet. It's Isaac Slosarenko who opened Jackpot Records 21 years ago this week. Pretty amazing that a store like Jackpot still thrives, too. It's a really good thing. He also runs their label, which on November 9th is bringing out a vinyl reissue of Dr. John's epic Grigri album. They're having several in-store concerts this month to celebrate their anniversary, and we're celebrating it right here in the coffee shop on our podcast. Music lover, record lover, and record store lover, meet Isaac Slosarenko. Isaac, welcome to the cupping room. Yes, thanks for having me. Here at uh, World Cup Coffee and Tea, Northwest 18th and Gleason, where we do these things. And um, how you doing? I'm doing good. Happy anniversary. Thank you. I feel a little old, but I'm okay. 21. 21. Boy, you, the store can drink now. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> Who would have thought I, this day would be here, but I, it, it felt like it was going to come. Yeah. Really? I think so, yeah. Did I, you, I you, did. You always think you'd have longevity in this? I did. Wow. I, I, uh, I put a lot of time and effort and uh, energy into making sure that I could have a career in this and also support uh, the local community. So, yeah, I think so. Well, that's good. Yeah. 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 I didn't have another game plan. This was it. <laughs> this, was, this was the only one. Yeah. Well, that's, I think that's really encouraging. Yeah. Thank you. you know, because everybody's so down on the music industry now. Yeah, I could. Uh, there's a lot of things you can be down on, but there's, it's always been that way. I mean, I could think uh-huh. of, it's just more people have a, a more of a chance to vocalize their thoughts through different avenues. But yeah, it's 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 always been like that. That's a, that, that's a, that's a good way to look at it. I remember when I first moved to town in '97, I got a talk show on what was whatever with KPOJ eighty whatever what eighty six AM was at that time. It wasn't KPOJ. It was whatever it was before that. And I had uh, Tony Starlight. And Tony Hughes from Jesus Presley. Remember them? Uh-huh. Yeah, okay. And I thought, I'm going to have these two guys, in, and it's going to be great. It's going to be hilarious. It's going to be so funny because they're so funny, and they're so animated and full of life. And all they did was bitch about the music industry. <laughs> I have, I, I, you know, I've kidded them about that over the years. But you're right. It's, 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 it's nothing new. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did it make a good show at all? Were people entertained by it? Well, the problem is when, when stuff like that happens, I'm the one who has to be funny. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Which I had no problems with. So take that roll on, yes. Anyway, so 21 years ago, yeah. what so, happened? So 21 years ago, uh, I had been working for a record store in Portland called Django's. Oh, yeah. Um, and they had been established in the, early, in the 70s. They were Portland's oldest record store. And uh, I worked for them for six years. And um, while I was working for them, I was finishing up my degree in college in photography. Huh. So as soon as I got my, my BFA in photography, I decided <laughs> it's time to, uh, to look into opening uh, Jackpot Records. And at the time, Django's was in the process of changing and being sold. And they were the idea behind the company was to go more online and less about the community yeah. and having grown up here and worked for them I wanted to have that experience stay mm-hmm. and so uh, October 10th which tomorrow I guess uh, in 1997 yeah. uh, is when we officially opened the doors wow. and um, we've still been on Hawthorne for 21 years we've had to move one block but we're still <laughs> on the same street for 21 years and um, it's, it's, it's been great yeah, I still love going to work every day, and I still am excited about music. It hasn't gone away. Wow. Yeah. 
That's great. Thank you. <laughs> so what was, uh, what was it like the day you opened? Um, let's see. What do you remember about that? I remember there being uh, a lot of familiar faces at the time who I'd seen yeah. and worked with who came in on that first day just to see what the store was going to be like. Yeah. And having a new store and having records on the wall that nobody had ever seen, it was like... Uh-huh. It was like a. It was kind of like a small party. Everybody was excited yeah. and, and uh, got to see what the store was going to be like. And at that time, uh, you know, you you had to physically go in a store. The internet wasn't really around as much in '97. It was just still right. kind of coming up. So yeah. it was a lot of one-on-one interactions and a lot of time with mm-hmm. people coming in and wanting to talk about music in the store. Uh-huh. So that first day was. It went by fast. I remember that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So it, it was uh, when you say records that nobody had ever heard of. That was a that was the plan, huh? Well, um, well, I guess I guess just to say that is that the records that we had priced that I had priced to put on the floor yeah. hadn't been seen. So it was like almost going to a record show and being like, "Oh, what's here? What's oh, oh, what's uh-huh. all this music today?" Like, yeah, yeah. In those racks because that was. It was all private until I opened the door. Nobody got a chance to have a preview before I opened the doors. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember, because I lived right around the corner. That's what you said, yeah. Um, walking in there and seeing all those meters re-releases on Sundays. Uh-huh. <laughs> And I bought them. Oh, good. <laughs> yeah. Well, everybody should own those. Yes, that's a good tip. And I'm still playing them on the radio today, the same the same CDs. Oh, awesome. That's great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, the meters are wonderful. Yeah. Um, so, uh, what, was, what was the plan? What was the, did you, what was the long-range plan that you had? So, the first plan was just to get the doors open and make sure right. that people knew about us. Yeah. Um, and at that point, it was really just to, um, to continue what I had been doing as far as music retail in Portland uh-huh. um, and trying to, to build the business um, as more of a, a place that people knew where we were because opening a new business back then was harder because you didn't have as many avenues to tell people where you were. There wasn't yeah. as much relying on the Internet. It was more print ads and yellow pages. And so... Um, after and we, stapling flyers to telephone poles. Stapling flyers. I worked two <laughs> years without a day off straight. Wow. And then the first day off, I went to a record show. <laughs> so I was really dedicated, and my vision was to, to, uh, to put all my time and effort um, into, into Jackpot. Wow. Yeah. Two years? Two years, yeah. Oh, I remember, I remember that day off when I took it to go to the, to the record fair. <laughs> <laughs> and then how long was it before you took another day off? Uh, I think in that year, the, after the second year, I think I started taking almost one or two days off on a regular basis. Wow. What, yeah. did, what would you do on your day off? Was it, was it music related? It was, it was still pricing <laughs> records and doing, I mean, it just never left. It was part of my blood. And uh, yeah, I still, I still was involved with it. Sure. Always thinking about it. And then... Um, uh, I decided to we, uh, open a second store downtown right mm-hmm. by Powell's on 9th and Burnside, which used to be an old record store. Yeah. And so same was our first Hawthorne space. That, years ago, used to be a record store. What was it called? It was called uh, Bird Suite. Bird Suite? Bird Suite. Yeah. S-U-I-T-E? S-U-I-T-E. Yep. <laughs> and uh, they had been on Hawthorne for a long time, um, and they were leaving the space, and then we cleaned it up and 
redesigned it, and that was the original jackpot location. And then the downtown <laughs> store yeah. used to be a record store called Rockport Records. So both of them I had shopped as a kid, and so I remembered them. Uh -huh. So to put in a record store back into the same buildings, I thought was... I knew about it. A lot of people didn't know that those had existed before, but it uh -huh. had that good karma and that that space had been that before. So it was nice to put it back in like that. But the other one doesn't exist anymore. Excuse me. The downtown store. Downtown store. No, I ended up uh, closing the downtown store so I could focus on the record label. Aha. Uh -huh. And um, I started the record label in 2004, and having two stores and a record label I just couldn't I was splitting my time up too much and I wanted to continue uh -huh. more on the label side so closing the downtown store and having continuing the Hawthorne location and the labels is what I've been doing. well before we get any further let's talk about uh, your 21st anniversary activities oh, yes. this month what's going on uh, well let's see here we just had Black Belt Eagle Scout uh, uh -huh. perform uh, last week um, and that was an amazing in-store uh, Portland artist uh -huh. on Saddle Creek Records. Um, next up, we have Marissa Nadler is doing an in-store, um, and that is on Thursday, October 18th at 5 p.m. Uh, all ages show, uh, just show up, and she'll be performing uh -huh. songs off her new record. And then on Sunday, October 21st, uh, at 2 o'clock, we have Griff Reese of the Super Furry Animals doing acoustic set. Uh-huh. Um, and those shows are free, um, and uh, we'll have all that information, too, on our Facebook page yeah. for events. But, yeah, those, yeah. Are the, those are the three in-store events that we're doing. Uh -huh. But um, starting tomorrow, uh, which we'll advertise tomorrow, but during the month of October, if we have uh, jackpot pint glasses. So if you come in the store and spend twenty-one dollars uh, or more, if we have, uh, we'll have these special pint glasses that we're going to give away. That's great. Yeah. So we years ago we had Rogue, uh, Rogue, the local brewery, make us jackpot beer in bottles uh, uh -huh. for our fifth-year anniversary. Yeah. But um, just haven't gotten around to getting another bottler to do it this year. So we decided <laughs> to make the pints, and you can put in whatever you want. Make it and uh, there's a big record release connected with this, isn't it? Yeah. There's yeah. Um, at the end of, uh, well, actually, November 9th, we're scheduled to have in our hands uh, Dr. John's uh, debut record called Grigri. Yeah. Um, from the original master tapes with the original mono mix that was only issued once when it came out. Wow. Um, on colored vinyl. So this has never been reissued in this format. Um, since it came out. In so how did you get a hold of this? Well, it was... So a lot of what I do with the label in my time is uh, trying to contact rights holders and figuring out licensing agreements and uh, was able to get the rights to this recording uh, uh -huh. for a limited release. Um, and so... The master tape still existed, which is amazing. Wow. The, the from, Atla from Atlantic? From Atlantic with the original tape box. Oh, man. And there was two versions. There was one that they used for the stereo version, and then there was one that had been used for mono. The mono had been shelved pretty much since it came out. Nobody has ever used it since. So to get to the actual tracking down and getting that master tape uh -huh. and then getting it Pressed and having it come back out again, it's it's that to me is like one of the things that I'm really proud of for our anniversary. It's a good celebratory record, but a lot of people have never heard this mono version of it. I, I've that's one of my favorite all time favorites, and I've never. What's the difference? It's well, usually when they mixed for mono, um, it was mostly for radio stations to get yeah. the frequency up for the bass, which you know we uh -huh. is 
is not really done anymore since the 70s and FM took off. But in the, in the late 60s, uh, mono mixes were mostly used as promotional tools for DJs. Uh -huh. um, and there's just different instruments are forward in the mix. Things are pulled back, so vocals might be drier or they might feel more, more uh, presence. Uh -huh. And other instruments are pulled back. So if you haven't heard it before, you're not going to really... You're, that's how you're going to know it as. Okay. But if you know the record, the kind of... It has more breathing room in the space, uh -huh. and the instruments are more... It feels like you're in the room with the musicians more. It's a really interesting um, way they recorded it and how it came across in this mono mix. Can you hear the verse of Mamaru that is buried in, in the original? Not really. No. It's still kind of, you know... Well, he, 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 you know, he's saying fuck or something like yeah. that. You yeah. know, I mean, obviously. Yeah. You, you, you can, it's not any You know better than to fuck with me, I believe. Right. You know? uh, but whether or not he really said that, they don't really say. Yeah, yeah. So it's one of those kind of things. You'll have to hear it for yourself. Yeah. But it's, 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 it sounds great, and um, I'm really excited to have that come out on our record. It's our 51st release. Wow. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And, it's, and a lot of people, and the thing, too, is that record... Um, hasn't been in print for a long time domestically. There's yeah. been no version of it, so I, um, huh. there's it's a it's a good time to hear it if you've never heard it. Any time's a good time to hear that, that <laughs> <That's> album. <laughs> she was the queen. But do, you, but do you remember the first time you heard it? Do you have a memory of when you heard that? Oh record? man, uh, uh, let's see. Might have been a might have been a Pepsi can with a with a hole in it. <laughs> Or a beer can with a hole in it. That's something to do with that. Something I believe. to do with that. Yeah. <laughs> but you remember that part? Do you remember? Your, do you remember what it? Well, trying to describe I, did, I didn't, know, I didn't know what I was listening to. Yeah. I just did not know what. I, what I, I mean, I didn't have um, the, the knowledge of the history of New Orleans uh, music that I do now. Um, but you know, uh, Doctor John for many people was the way in to. If you're not from New Orleans, you know, Doctor John was the way in to that music. Uh, for a lot of people, it was gumbo, but uh, for the other people, it was grigri, yeah, gumbo, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's yeah. funny. Uh, there's so many uh, uh, New Orleans music fans here in Portland. It's so it's amazing. Uh, one time, I just put up the words grigri, gumbo, yeah, yeah as a Facebook post. And everybody else filled in the rest. <laughs> <laughs> that's a true. That's a true fan base. Yeah. 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 Well, it's interesting that you mentioned that it was a lot of people's my experience might be gumbo, and then those people who started with the first record for Grigri. Yeah. Um, but the record label when that came out. Um, the label didn't really want to put it out because it was so... They couldn't figure out how to market it. It wasn't right. It wasn't true uh, jazz, and it wasn't yeah. psychedelic, and there was this guy calling himself Dr. John. And it, and wasn't, it wasn't New Orleans R&B. It wasn't at all, yeah. No. And they barely got it to come out, and then when they finally released it, it bombed. It didn't do well at all. Right. It didn't sell. So there's a... There's a Resurgence years afterwards. I believe that Harold Batiste had a lot to do with that. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, because he had a lot to do with everything. Mm -hmm. Yeah, including yeah. Sonny and Cher, which a lot of people don't know. Oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> and when he moved back to New Orleans, the resurgence of, of New Orleans marching bands. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, he, when he left L.A., Harold Batiste went back to New Orleans. 
yeah. yeah. Started that whole thing again in, in, the, in the schools. Okay. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. And Sonny Bono's um, backing bands, some of his musicians from his solo record. Yeah. Are the same people on this record? Oh yeah. There's just it's, yeah. it's amazing how. Oh, how, very very deep roots in music. Well, yeah. All these people have yeah. played for years. Earl Palmer. Mm-hmm. Uh, Earl Palmer. I, you know, I've only asked two people in the, in my life. I've only asked two people for autographs. One was Earl Hines, and the other was Earl Palmer. <laughs> <laughs> so only people named Earl you want to go I after. Did, did, Earl Green, what else do we have? Duke of Earl. I Duke don't know. Of Earl. Actually, I don't think the name had anything to do with it. Yeah, okay. Because they were about 25 years apart. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, so what color vinyl is it? Um, it is a it is an opaque green uh-huh. swirl vinyl. Wow. Yes. Nice. I haven't had it in my hand yet, so I'm, oh. they're all custom kind of made. The colors are really? hand-mixed, oh, so each one will be a little bit different, but uh-huh. uh, the color is this kind of lime green deep uh, color. How many of these do you run? This run is 1,000. Ah. Yeah. Uh-huh. This will be a small run of 1,000. Boy. Yeah. Jeez. You never know. Yeah, no, it's... We've, it's Dr. John, you know? Well, that's just the initial pressing. Let's just put it that right, way. Right. Yes. Um, <laughs> and, and it's... Uh, yeah, it's, it's... The interest has been really, really strong in this. I actually visited New Orleans for the first time this year. Oh, my God. And visited the record stores uh, in yeah. town and asked them, yeah. hey, I've, yeah. we're going to be putting out this record. Do you have any interest in it? And every, every record store... Oh yeah! We super excited, but they—it was interesting that they called it. It was like this is great because we always have tourists looking yeah. for, it. and I yeah. just for some reason didn't click that it's a tourist record. For me, it's yeah, yeah. it's just a record that exists, but it's a tourist <laughs> record for the town. First time I went to New Orleans, I went to a record store, of course, oh, yeah. <laughs> as you should. And this was before, I think it was even before Gumbo. Um, but uh, uh, and 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 I picked up a Professor Longhair, and I believe that was before Atlantic re- reissued the original Professor Longhair, and a Wild Magnolias, and they were both on French labels, because nobody you know nobody in, in this country was touching that stuff at that time, uh, and uh, you know, well, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> it's still that way. I mean, the yeah. Dr. John isn't being made, you know, there's nobody's, this is the, it has been out of print for years in the States. Yeah, that's so, so weird. Yeah. Right. That's just the way it is. <sighs> but it's. <laughs> so why did you, why did you want to start a label? So a part of it was to put out things that I had interested in Northwest music. Um, uh-huh. I grew up in the Northwest in Portland and, uh, uh, there was so much deep history in Portland musicians that people here, even people here didn't know about. Um, mm-hmm. So the first record I put out was uh, Beauregard, mm-hmm. which is a Portland wrestler um, <laughs> from 1971 uh-huh. and uh, was recorded in town and it featured uh, Greg Sage of the Wipers mm-hmm. uh, playing guitar when he was 17. Huh. And so it's a psychedelic soul record that has no lyrics about wrestling it's all <laughs> introspective and um kind of psychedelic with wah it's it's very soulful um yeah. and there's a video online of it showing downtown portland in 1971 when they filmed it so you get to see what the town used to look like in yeah. the early 70s yeah um and so for me to be able to get a hold of beauregard and greg sage and, and do a record that Unless you lived here, nobody knew about it, and even people here didn't know about it. Yeah, um, 
that that was the start of it, um, and it just opened up many doors for me to to do other ideas. And, and then eventually, I, soon after that, I worked with uh, Greg Sage to release the the Wipers catalog, which is very um, important in the scope of Northwest music. So, how old were you in 1971? Uh, I was a I was freshly born. Okay, <laughs> so you never even saw that. Uh-uh. That, that, wow. Jeez. No. I mean, I, it was one of those things that kind of got passed around by friends. And if, uh-huh. you, if you had seen it, you would, they made a 7-inch and they made a record. Um, <laughs> but it's, it's got a, a guy with a fur suit on, like a fur um, vest on. And then on the back, he's riding a chopper with a pitchfork as a seat. And it's just really unique. And uh, when you look at it, you don't forget it. And that's part of the thing with the label is that I'm really interested in records that have interesting covers. And I think that's part of my my background in photography is that I think the image of a record is just as important as the music within. Yeah. So each yeah. record that I yeah. release or work on, there is some component of that that I want to make sure is still interesting to me and I don't yeah. want to mess around with the original graphics. Yeah. I want to keep yeah. it as pure as, as possible. That's a great idea. Yeah. Um, I, you know, I, I've kind of stopped collecting because... You know, I don't have any room anymore. I was going to say space is always space, an issue. Uh, yeah. But I will buy a record, especially in, in the junk stores, if it's got a, a, a ridiculous cover. I found one the other day. On a, I guess they were, they might have been brother and sister. They might have been husband and wife. The Clots, C-L-O-T-T-S. And she had she had a beehive hairdo, went about about two feet above her forehead, uh-huh. and, and holding the mic. It was great, great cover. The mic was in the hair. No, no, no. Oh. She was holding the she mic. She was holding the mic. Yeah. But uh, you know, I mean, I couldn't pass that one up. Did you listen to it? <laughs> yeah, a little <laughs> Did bit. Did it match up it to the cover? It didn't though. matter. It really didn't matter. <laughs> yeah. Because I knew it, I knew it would be as bad as the cover, yeah. and I was not disappointed. <laughs> Remember when they used to call that stuff psychotronic? Uh huh. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. I wish, I wish that that name was still around because it's really you know it's a great it's a great name for that that concept you Mm -hmm. know of bad really bad stuff that we love. It's a a different way of saying exploitation, but it sounds more (laughs) yeah sounds more cerebral when you say that. I once interviewed the guy that coined that term. Oh yeah, yeah. He's a real, really weird guy. I like, I liked him a lot. <laughs> wow. Psychotronic. Was it was it in relation to film that he brought it up, or was it? Relation yeah, to, okay. yeah. He was he was uh, originally he coined it for for bad films. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but, but he goes across all areas of life. <laughs> that's not just film only. Yeah. No. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. So how has the label developed? I mean, are, are, uh, what's the arc of, 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 of the label? Um, so I guess as I, when I first started, Northwest music was always really important. Um, so the things that we've put out here that have come from the Northwest, there was a, a group from Wilhelmina, Oregon called The New Dawn. Uh-huh. Um, and it's a, it's a, the title's called There's a New Dawn. Uh-huh. And it was a... Uh, psychedelic record um, that's kind of moody, atmospheric, and sort of a concept record, but not uh-huh. loosely based, but the songs kind of flow into each other. Yeah. And it was a really small regional hit, um, and it was involved with the person who produced it uh, was in The Champs and did Tequila. Really? Yeah. And he had, a re- <laughs> he had a recording studio in Salem. And so this group, The New Dawn, um, 
was a touring bar band that would do shows up and down from Portland, Seattle, up to Alaska uh-huh. into the 70s. So they started in like 67 and did it until the 70s. Uh-huh. And one night after one of their shows, or excuse me, nights after they did these shows in Salem, they would go down and record this record. And the record wasn't any of the material that they did at these clubs because the clubs were all kind of bar pop songs at the time. Yeah. So they went in and wrote this album in the studio, didn't ever perform it live, and just <laughs> released it. Wow. And now it's like one of the top 100 psychedelic records. It's, it's a really um, <laughs> unique, well-recorded record. And um, when I was working on the record, and I went down and met the band, and they still live in the same town, Wilhelmina. Wow. And um, they had a VFW hall in the town, and they still played there. Like, really? the band is still active in that community. Wow. And so I went to the show, and there's little kids wearing New Dawn t-shirts and families, <laughs> and it was packed. It was, and it was kind of the secret thing that nobody knew about unless you lived there. And were they playing, still playing covers, or were they, they playing were playing, stuff from the album? They played covers and a few songs on the record. Wow. So I went down and recorded at the show oh. and put a couple of them on the CD as live bonus tracks. <laughs> um, but it's, it's one of the few um, 60s groups that still exist and are around that yeah. nobody knows about, but that are still active in the yeah. Northwest. Yeah. So that yeah. was a, a personal thing I really wanted to do. That's great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. and that, that's I just it's always been one of my favorite records. Um, and um, then after that, I've done um, everything from Jandek, who I don't mm-hmm. know if you know about mm-hmm. Jandek. Um, so I worked with him to do the first ever reissues um, wow. for his material. And I also, we did um, the Andromeda Strain soundtrack, <laughs> which is, it's like, um, we won Best Packaging uh, Award for Best Packaging for the, the record because it comes in a silver foil cover <laughs> that you have to open like a camera. It's like shutters. <laughs> and then the record's hexagon shaped. <laughs> um, and then, so we did a jazz, some stuff of jazz artists and blues artists. We've done the Etta James at last uh-huh. and um, Rock House. Is that originally on Chess? Originally chess, exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Or Argo, Argo chess. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, and then uh, we did the uh, Super Super Blues Band, um, mm-hmm. which is Bo Diddley, Muddy Waters, right. yeah, right. Howlin' right. Wolf, right. and then um, Howlin' Wolf Greatest Hits. And then for the jazz stuff, we did Sunrise Spaces to Place. Yay! Yay! Oh, yeah. <laughs> I interviewed Ra. What, what, do you know what year that was? <laughs> That was around 1980. Okay. 79 or 80. How was the interview? Spacey. <laughs> he told me he was from the planet Xyrocon. It made perfect sense to me. Yeah. <laughs> you know? <laughs> how do you lead with the questions? How did you know? Like, how do, do you remember like, anything that you wanted to ask? Or? No, you really can't deal on that level with Mr. Ra. Some call him Mr. Ra. Others call him Mr. Ree. You can call him Mr. Mr. Ree. <laughs> I love that line. That's so good. I used to, I used to uh, read Sun Ra poetry with David Vest's band. Because David Vest, the great boogie-woogie piano player, uh-huh. for a while he was he would throw Sun Ra tunes. And like Cascade Blues Association audiences, and they went like, "What the fuck what, is that? What is this stuff?" Yeah. <laughs> anyway, um, so yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, well, if you yeah. could find out who interviewed him, Ra was cool. Ra was fabulous. He was 
you know. <laughs> There's nothing like that. Yeah. We, um, um, with the, uh, after Space is the Place, um, we did a live album recorded here in Portland at Pine Street Theater for uh-huh. Record Store Day. And, um, the material on that, um, there's a book, it's called, I might misquote the title, but I think it's called The Earthly Recordings of Sun Ra. I believe that's what it, the title is. Uh-huh. And it's a document of every Sun Ra show that's been performed in every song. <laughs> and it goes date by date, and it's very, very thorough. And the show that we, had the ma- we found the master tapes for had never been documented. So we worked with the Sun Ra estate mm-hmm. about this recording. They wow. were very excited because it's never been documented. It's not in their Amazing. notes. Amazing. And uh, released it uh, for Ruckus Today two years ago. Yeah. So that was fun to do. One of my favorite Sun Ra sayings is that once he said, it ain't necessarily so, but it ain't necessarily so. <laughs> That's a good one. And that hat that you have on the cover? What's that? The hat of his that you have on the cover? Uh-huh. Somebody made one for me. Really? About, about, tw- about 15 years ago. It got destroyed. Oh, but I actually had one. I actually had a sunrise. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. When I was uh, working in TV in Los Angeles, um, they gave me an assignment to do a, a, a documentary on the first solo flight of the space shuttle when they dropped it off a plane before it went up. And I, 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 I contracted to, give, to bring Sunrise Band to the, the observatory out there to, to play space as the place, and then they cut the budget. I mean, they were going to do it. That's awesome. I know. I was going to do it, but oh. it didn't happen. That was a big disappointment, but uh, it was great. Uh, you know, I mean, I still can, I, I can I, I still imagine it. Yeah. You know, what's the, what's the name of that, that, uh, that observatory in L.A.? Big one. I forget. Anyway, but it's way up on the top of a mountain. He's like, there's, there's sun rock in space. <laughs> and here comes the shuttle, right? <laughs> so was it for the, for what was, was it taking off or was it landing or what was the? Well, they, they dropped it off um, uh, to test it. They, they had it attached to the bottom of a plane. And they dropped it, dropped it off, the, uh, off the bottom of the plane and so it could, they could see how it flew. Yeah. But, you know, I mean. That would have been awesome. Sun Ra. Jeez. <laughs> the flight recordings. Yeah. I'm so glad that you put that out. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, I was on, it's really, I'm really proud of, uh, we, you know, I don't have a set mind of what I'm doing. Like, I've, you know, I've done Devo. I've done. Uh-huh. Uh, just, What's Devo? So it was a 1977 live at Max's Kansas City. Ah. And it was um, with David Bowie introducing the band. Mm. So uh, it was really early on in their career, and um, so it was great to work with Devo and get a chance to do that. And then I'm working on stuff for next year for Record Store Day, which yeah. I can't say yet, but Uh-oh. there'll be some other good titles that we're working on for that, um, some of the people we've talked about today. Uh-huh. Um, and, uh, Remember, and the- Mother Spa had, a, had a, an art show. There was a gallery down on Broadway, downtown, mm-hmm. and Mother Spa had a show in there. Yeah. yeah. He, he's had a few. He actually, I think, uh, Pals Books did one, too. They did really? a small little one inside their uh-huh. Uh, uh-huh. Uh, <laughs> space as well. But, yeah, the um, most people I've worked with are, are uh, really easygoing. I mean, I'm, I know that there's reputations of difficult people, but, right. you know, it, everybody has those kind of things to deal with. And, uh, yes. And, you know, you just work yes. through it and do the best you can. So, <laughs> How are you to deal with? How am I to deal with? Yeah. Oh, I'm very easy to deal with, I think. Yeah. 
I mean, everybody, everybody, I'm kind of biased against myself. I know, but but, every, I'm sorry, everybody would say that. Yes. <laughs> if you asked them. <laughs> no, I, I think I come from a, I think I come from the record retail side of, uh-huh. of understanding records rather than being uh-huh. uh, starry-eyed and promising like the world for. Yeah. It, I mean, it's to me, it's more important to get these records in the hands of stores and to people who want the material uh-huh. than just to sit on a website that nobody knows about. So a lot of my time and effort is really talking to stores and making sure that you know they're aware of what we do. But I'm also a store too. I know what it's like when I get yeah. solicited too. So I yeah. have a very different. Um, I'm lucky that I come from that knowledge because I think it makes it more of a product, you know, product, but it makes more of a record that I would like to see in my hands. Yeah, and how the quality that I want to see when a record comes across the store. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. I, I'm the same way about, uh, you know, I get a, I get 100, you know, PR emails a day, you know. But, I've, I, you know, I've, I've been in many times, I've been something when I've been pushing something myself, you know. And so, you know, you got to you know, sort of know what to do and what not to do, mm-hmm. you know. And I'm sure you, you, you've, you've learned that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, especially what not to do. That's, yeah. <laughs> you learn from your mistakes if you're smart. Yeah. If you're right. smart about it. Yes. <laughs> Yeah, we boy, did. Boy, I'll say. Yeah. And you know, we've done. Um, we did this really interesting record by that's an artist named Mustafa Oskin. Uh-huh. Um, he's a Turkish artist, and he did this um, 1973 instrumental psychedelic Turkish funk record <laughs> that uh, is really, really rare. I've never even seen an original copy, um, and so I worked with. That's the first time I've worked with an international artist with language mm. barriers yeah. and things like that to understand. Yeah. But supposedly the record's um, covers got eaten by wolves in Turkey. What? So there's even fewer. Like when it came out, there wasn't that many existed. And a wolves lot of ate the albums? Supposedly the covers. Supposedly the, the covers? Yes. Jeez. I don't know if they ate the vinyl inside, but that's the rumor, which I think is a pretty great rumor. It's a great rumor. It's, it's, wolves I, love it. Hey, you will too. Hey, you know, Sunrod told me he was on Planet Zyricon. I sure fine. Wolves ate the covers, no problem. <laughs> that's, yes, it's a good it's a good uh, story. But um, that was an artist that one of those things of like you know working with and having to um, showcase that you know we're a we're a serious company that wants to do. Uh, records with artists um, and make sure that they understand how it all is going to work uh-huh. even with language barriers so uh-huh. Uh-huh. that was really fun to do uh, what, what, what era was that record from? so it's from 1973 okay is it, is it in some ways uh, um, analogous to the Ethiopian uh, um, soul that, 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 that series that came out you know, oh the, the Ethiopiques Ethiopiques kind of series. Yeah, um, yeah. it's actually kind of different than that okay. he was um, he made his own guitars too he figured out a way to put extra pegs in the (laughs) tunes so he could play the Turkish scales on a standard guitar Mm -hmm. and all the songs are traditional Turkish folk songs that he just made into these psychedelic funk um, wow songs and so if you're if I get if I don't know the original Turkish versions of the songs yeah but yeah. that's was the that was the background of the record uh, was that it was all uh, going to be Turkish folk uh, songs done in this uh-huh. electric hip way. Uh, yeah. I wonder if the brothers of the Baladi have ever 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 recorded one of those tunes. I don't know. Be, <laughs> might have. It'd be perfect for them. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. And they're still around. Yes. They yeah. Are. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> um, one of the things that was fun to do a few the same year that we did the Andromeda Strain we did. Um, 
uh, Ken Kesey's acid test record, <laughs> which uh, was great because I, I went and visited Ken Babs, who yeah. was involved yeah. with it, and yeah. um, got a Nobel. Was, was, was Kesey dead by then? Kenzie, Kesey was dead, yeah. yeah. And yeah. Ken Babs is uh, the person who uh, was the only person who had the stories about the record and they yeah. knew the history of it. Huh. But um, trying to recreate in a studio in California the acid test performances that they would do live across the country. Uh Um, And so the recording is them in California and um, they, when they did this recording, the Grateful Dead were present. Um, And at the end of it, I asked them, how did these get into stores? How did anybody know about this? Who, who, who was able to find one of these records? Yeah. And the, the label owner, or excuse me, the studio owner uh, ended up having the records and would just give them out or sell them to local stores, but it never really got outside of outside of California. Wow! Um, so to put that back in a print and uh, to know the stories behind it, and then as yeah, soon as yeah. uh, LSD became legal, they that was over. Like that was whole shut down. They didn't want to do any more of these acid tests. Uh, so it was a good uh, year uh, of this '66, late yeah, '65 to early '66, yeah, yeah, yeah. um, where these recordings. I interviewed Keithy the year before he died, and uh, it was amazing because I also did the. Uh, I was working for Oregon Artbeat at the time, oh. and, um, uh, and I and I also did the the, the TV obit after he died, and I got to use a part of part of it that the interview that I didn't use in the original story, where he talks about um, the last time he talked to Ginsburg. The last, you know, uh, the last time he talked to Leary, and how he settled things with Leary, with with Leary, and everything was 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 fine, and um, it was amazing. Mm-hmm. And of course, Burroughs' uh, last words, you know, um, what is it? Uh, the, the only thing there is is love, and uh, that's the last thing Burroughs wrote. And so it was great. You know, I mean, interesting talking to, to, to I mean, and the bus was in, was, the real bus is down in, did you, did you see the real bus down, down I, in, 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 uh, in, down, or, yeah, 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 because no, it's down in the woods. Yeah. 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 Amazing just to walk inside of that bus. And, you know, and, <laughs> and I'm just trying to think of the, the guy, um, the guy who uh, drove the bus. I can't, I just, his name oh, is not wow. coming to me. Uh, but he was the avatar to Leary. He was the, the he was the, the guy. And you've, have you seen the films? The, the, yeah, 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 yeah. Where, he, where he's driving the bus and he gets up, walks to the back, and the bus keeps going, yeah. and walks back and sits, sits down and starts driving. driving. Yeah. yeah. God, what is his name? That'll come. I know to you're, it's, he was a beat yeah, poet. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he was. Yeah, yeah, well, he, yeah. Was, he was he, in that. He was he was the inspiration. Jack for, Cassidy. No, 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 no. Neil Cassidy. Neil Cassidy. Jack Cassidy was in a in, yeah, in, 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 in Jefferson uh, airplane. Yeah, no, it was Neil Cassidy. Yes, Neil Cassidy. Right. That, yeah. <laughs> well, it would be because you know Marty Ballin. Yes. Yeah, it was. It was um, the, the interesting thing too about um, meeting Ken Babs is that he would do these shows when they did out at the you know, where you're mentioning in Springfield and uh-huh. put speakers in the trees, wire yeah. them up, and yeah. do live shows in the middle of nowhere with these yeah. sound loops. And it was such a great yeah. thing to see it and feel it. And it's just right. two hours from here. I know. Yeah. I know. So, did you um, you get into music from uh, via the radio? Um, yeah, I mean, I, there's a lot of things about um, the radio growing up 
around here. There's always been KBU. Um, there was Dr. Demento had a radio show that I used to listen to as a kid all the time. Yep. When we weren't supposed to be, we're supposed to be sleeping and having <laughs> AM radio and listening to that. Yeah. Um, but I think, you know, honestly, the record shows at the really? record stores, I would just say the record stores, not the huh. record shows, but the record stores were really integral in my growing up. My parents um, uh, had uh, records when they were growing up, and their record collection was really interesting. They always had. Mm-hmm. They didn't have a lot of records, um, but they had like the quintessential record of artists that you should have. So I had a really, from a young age, I was allowed to play all those records and 45s. And so I just remember being four, five, six, listening to records. <laughs> so that was my experience. Was there one in particular that knocked you out? Um, I used to love, uh, I still do, the Rolling Stones' Satanic Majesty's Request. Yeah. I think that's just, yeah, there's yeah. so much in that record that you can listen to repeated listens and not get bored. Um, they had like the first Velvet Underground and Nico record. Yes. <laughs> so I had to, yeah. you know, and then Johnny Cash. So it's, it was all uh-huh. over the board at a young uh-huh. age. Uh-huh. Um, but I just remember um, that there was just so many options that uh, I got to, to hear that um, I'm really glad that I, that I was able to take the time as a kid. And that's uh-huh. what I enjoyed doing. Uh-huh. So you, you weren't like a, a kissing guy? Uh, I, the oldies, oh, I love the oldies, and I'd always hear them on the radio, but... Uh-huh. Um, well, they weren't. Those, those were new when when, when Kissman was. They around. weren't called the oldies, I guess, at that time. They were just called. Oh, geez. They were just no, the right. Yeah, yeah. The rock yeah. station or whatever. Right. Yeah, um, yeah. It wasn't classic rock yet. It wasn't golden no. oldies. Uh-uh. Um, but yeah, all those, you know, '50s, '60s pop songs and, and early rock songs are, you know, grew up listening to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it was almost everywhere. No matter where you went, right? It seemed like that was around. Yeah, yeah. And F- FM was 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 happening by that time, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah I think it was yeah. starting to come in. Right. Yeah, and there used to be this is interesting now, but used to be a quad quadraphonic radio right? station. Wow! Like us, we would broadcast only quadraphonic in the <laughs> late seventies. Did you so, have a receiver? I didn't. No, I didn't. I didn't find out about that years later. But oh. I, I remember the, the station because it uh-huh. changed hands, and I knew somebody who worked at the station. But like a quadraphonic radio station, and that would always broadcast. Well, awesome. that's another artistic success. Yeah. <laughs> They were out of their time. I guess it's like, I yeah. don't know, 5.1 yeah. nowadays or whatever it is, but they have. I always thought it was interesting that that exists. So what kind of turntable do you have at home? I have an acoustic research ES1, uh-huh. the floating turntable base, just uh-huh. kind of a workhorse that always works well. Yeah, yeah, yeah I love it. Yeah, yeah. And then at work, we have a, an, an older Marantz uh-huh. turntable and amp. Huh. Yeah. Uh, Tubi? Uh, not for work, no. Really? Too much. I don't want to deal with, you know, changing <laughs> tubes and all that at work. No. You, you have a tubi at home? No. Well, oh. No, I have, a, I have a solid state, but a really nice uh, 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 Marantz version of a solid state that sounds like a tube. Really? Yeah. Because it's always, I mean, I'm, it's, I'm always listening to music. Can so. you tell the difference? Yeah, but <laughs> thank you for being honest. Yes, no, I can, you know you can tell the difference for sure. I mean, it's yeah. just like anything you upgrade or you change. But it, it's it's how you it's where do you want to stop? I was never one of those person who always wanted to keep chasing hi-fi equipment. I would rather right. have the music. Yeah, you can always yeah. get hi-fi stuff later. Yeah, yeah. But yeah, I've, I've, I'm, I'm happy. Where do you stand? <laughs> on the age-old now, now it's an age-old uh, question of do people dance more to vinyl or or CDs or digital? 
Now you mean in public or at home or? In, in public. Do they dance more? Yeah. Because, you know, people, there's still, it's, it's been 20 years and people are still raging about this. Yes. Um, I think Portland's different in a lot of ways. And I think uh, a lot of the DJs here come from uh, background in vinyl yeah. and, and are yeah. used to carrying that around. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it also is an age difference, too. I think a lot of uh, yes. older, I shouldn't say older, but people who've, who've, who've grown up buying records, that's what they're going to play. And those people who've grown up with having digital sources or uh, MP3 or streaming, that's going to be their choice. But who's going to make more people dance? It comes down to the DJ. And I would say, I mean, I'm not. I, it's a it's a toss up. I'd prefer to hear yeah. vinyl because I know it's a it's yeah. it's a lot more work. And somebody had to lug them in, yep. and it takes energy, yeah. and it's you have to know there's a talent to it. Not that's different than digital. Yep. But um, I personally love to see when people have records. It seems weird to me when they don't. But that's yeah. just yeah. my my own thoughts. Yeah. Good. Well, listen. Congratulations on on uh, twenty one years of. Please have twenty one more. I, I will. You think so? I hope so. I, see, that's why I'm not. I'm not thinking about like a, I'm just continuing. And yes. Thinking of new things and, yes. and evolving with time. <laughs> Absolutely. Thanks, Tom. And we'll look forward to uh, next year's batch. Yeah. Absolutely. Of, of good stuff. All right. Thanks. Nice to meet you. Thank you.